We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Uh, well, this is going to be a rough one tonight, boys and girls, because the Giants... Just lost 36-9 to a B version of the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, NFC champions last season. That's not the team that the Giants played today and not anywhere close to the team the Giants played today. And, you know, they fought in the first half, a sign of what we've seen, and then they totally collapsed in the second half. So let's kick it over to you to start, Nick. How are you feeling? I mean, now we've had a few hours to digest what just went down. How are you feeling? Terrible. I mean, that, that was a terrible display of football against again this is the nfc champions like you said but this is not the nfc champions because literally that team is entirely beat up there's no richard sherman there's no drake greenlaw there's no nick bosa there's no solomon thomas there's no d ford there's no starting quarterback jimmy garoppolo there's no starting two running backs tevin coleman and raheem moster no george kittle there's no george kittle there's no there's another edge who's the third edge there i think they're missing their third edge too is thomas bosa and then d ford and d ford no d ford It, it was no uh, Richard Sherman, no, no Akilah no Witherspoon. This is a B version of the San Francisco Forty Nineers. B version is being yeah. Kind. This is like like imagine if the Giants lost eight or what was that eight or nine starters. Imagine what you would see out there. I mean, it's unacceptable. They were completely outcoached in this game. Completely. As I thought, we here's the thing. Me and Nick discussed this game the entire season. I, well. Going into last week, I was disgusted, to be honest, with the first half the Giants put together versus the Bears, because like I predicted, the Bears were not a good team with Mitchell Trubisky, and that was pretty obvious today when they benched him already. Anyway, we move forward into this week, and Nick was pretty confident with the Giants' chances to win this game for obvious reasons. They're facing a B version of San Francisco, and they've been competitive. What I said was, until I'm proven wrong and otherwise with this team that has literally won 12 of their last 50 games going into today, 12 of their last 50 games games i'm not expecting a win versus any team 
And what happened today? They put together a disgusting, disgusting display. This roster, when you go up and down this roster, you look at the position, you look at this roster position by position. Quarterback at best average right now. Running back, terrible. Wide receiver, one good player, maybe. Another who's always injured. An old veteran who's solid but not great. No depth. Tight end, average at best. Evan Ingram is not the player we thought he would be. Best. Offensive line below average still below average so now you've gone through the entire offense and it's devoid of talent you flip it to the other side interior defensive line strength there's one strength on this de- on this entire roster it seems like but there's another strength boundary corner you got bradbury good job martinez pretty good player nothing crazy he's not bobby wagner out there he's not luke keekley in the middle he's a solid player which we haven't seen a lot of so we overinflate it but you look at the second level not much talent the safeties no one's playing up to par there there's injury to obviously to mckinney Peppers left the game in the first quarter. This roster doesn't have talent. There's, it's simply put, if you compare this to other rosters in the NFL, it's untalented. And now we're three years into a regime, and we have this issue. So what I want to do at some point on this podcast, Nick, because I brought it up, is I want to go over each offseason that Gabe Gettleman has had to work with and specifically focus on the draft classes, his process, and his picks to see what's happening because you can rally and talk about the free agencies there's been hits there's been misses there's mostly misses i don't care if you look back at nfl free agency it's mostly a miss fest across the league very few teams do well in free agency they took their chances they spent money the salary cap for the most part as we continue to see as teams like the saints re-sign camara and as we've seen what was the there was one this week that just made a mockery of the salary cap i forgot what it was cohen Tariq Cohen, but not Tariq Cohen. There was another team that just made a mockery of the... The point is, you can spend... It's okay in free agency. You can have misses there. But in the draft, your process has to be on point. You have to completely maximize the value of your picks. That may be trading them, by the way. And that certainly means never taking a running back at two. And you have to hit on your picks. So let's start there, Nick. I want to go over this with you. I'm going to start with the 2018 class, Dave Gettleman's first class. He inherits the following. Just six total picks. How did he get there? Not his fault. But one thing I like that he did is he traded JPP's contract for the 66 overall pick. That was an excellent, wise decision by Gettleman. But he still goes into that draft class even after trading that Nick with just six picks. He has the second overall pick, however, and the 34th overall pick. These are high-value picks. What does he do with the second pick? He spends it on a running back. Generational talent. A guy that he said gift of God, touched by the hand of God. He fell in love when he's grinding his film. He sees that play versus Iowa where he's trapped on the sideline. He makes a sick cutback. Awesome, dude. Guess what? They The guy had a rookie of the year season that was general. He broke nine records. He, he had a, the guy, I wrote an article about it. He had literally like nine records broken. They won four games. Running backs don't win games. Running backs are the position that's most likely to get injured, and that's what's happened. Running backs have the shortest shelf life. It is a terrible decision to use the second overall pick at running back. No team that's went this route besides the Cowboys, and they haven't even found success, has found major success. The Panthers are not a successful team. The Jaguars using the fourth overall pick on Fournette are not a successful team. Okay, you can't win this way. You have to do what the Colts did there. You trade back. If you're not in love with the quarterbacks, that's fine. Then you trade back and you take Quinton Nelson there at six like the Colts did. Or you take Chubb even. It doesn't matter. It's better to take the gamble on any other position of importance than running back. So we go to the second round. He takes Will Hernandez. How good has Hernandez been, Nick? What's your opinion on Hernandez now into year three? I mean, I'm fine with that pick, to be honest. I don't think it's been great, but I think he's also had crap around him. He's had crap around him. I'm willing to give him. A I'm not. Pass I'm not going to blame. That. I'm not going to blame Gettleman or Hernandez or get Hernandez on Gettleman. The I 100 percent agree with everything you're saying about Saquon Barkley. I was saying that at yes. the time. I can't, could not stand. It's the a fact. devastating decision. And the, the thing that really pisses me off about that decision, in general, is the fact that the consensus was that Sam Darnold was going to be the number one overall pick. And when Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick, people were like, "Wow, what a surprise!" And Dave Gettleman didn't even wait. Two minutes before submitting the Saquon, he Barkley waited pick. five because the NFL told him you no, have to wait had five. His mind made up. He oh yeah, he said the only reason calls. I waited five was because the NFL exactly. told me I had to wait five. Why would you not field calls for that pick? It's the Gettleman ways. Touched by the hand of God, he sees him in a gold jacket. But I'm going to challenge you on the Will Hernandez pick because Will Hernandez. I'll give you all the caveats. We say this about Jones. We say this about all these. We can make all these excuses for these players who aren't performing at the level you're expecting. But one pick later is Braden Smith, who's been one of the best tackles in the NFL since being drafted by the Colts. And if you go one pick later and you get an offensive lineman who's been unbelievable, and you got Will Hernandez, who's been at best average at best. 
Really, at best, he was not good last season. I get it. He played next to Solder. He played next to freaking Pulley. And now he's playing next to uh, Gates and a rookie offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, who hasn't been that great. I understand it. But Braden Smith, on the flip side, has been excellent since being drafted. Yes. And he converted positions. And he's still been excellent. It's also in a much better situation. And Okay, it's a much better situation. I get it, but it's pick 34. If you're not sure you're getting... They, they considered him a first-round talent. Gettleman said he had to do everything in his power not to trade. This is a guy who literally his approach to the NFL draft is... Hold me back. Tie me down to the table to make sure I don't trade up. Because every single draft he wants to trade up. He'll never consider trading down. He's never traded down in his career, and he doesn't even consider it. This draft, he, again, hold me down. Do He was trying his hardest to trade up. He didn't do it this draft. Good job. He wanted to trade up for Carter. He said that on record. He wanted to trade up for Hernandez. He said that on record. He did trade up for DeAndre Baker. Three picks for a guy who's out of the NFL now and will never play another snap for the Giants. I know he got unlucky with the arrest, but Baker had a terrible rookie season and was not an immediate hit. And if you trade three picks, he better be an immediate hit. The problem I have with Gettleman, Nick, is that it's a process-based problem here. I don't care if you don't hit on all your picks. It's an imperfect process. We know this about the draft. I can accept this. I can understand this. But if he doesn't accept that it's an imperfect process and you want to have more swings, and if he goes into his first class like this and just keeps the six picks he has like he did... Look at what happens. You then go to Lorenzo Carter. That's turning out to be a better pick. Carter continues to play well for the Giants, fitting a new role. But then with that pick, B.J. Hill, the next pick. B.J. Hill is a guy... Let's just go over the process with this, okay? This is year three of Dave Gettleman. He takes B.J. Hill at 69 overall over Fred Warner, a guy who I wanted him to take. Put it online. I know I take crap from this from some Giants fans because I was so all in on Fred Warner. But guess what? Sometimes I'm going to get this one right, and I was dead dead right on this one. Dead right. He completely overlooks the athletic linebacker here to take an IDL. He wants his IDLs. But then two years later, man, he's trading early thirds for another IDL. He's drafting an IDL at 17. And he's uh, and, and he already inherited a great idea with Dalvin Tomlinson. And now B.J. Hill plays 15, 20 snaps a game. I just don't understand the process here. If you're going to commit to using that pick on Hill, and he's a player who's played well in limited snaps, you cannot keep pouring assets into the defensive line. He said, I've looked at all the Eagles teams that made it far. They have a rotation on the defensive line. Yeah, some of those guys are edge guys. Like, we're talking about a 4-3 defense with 4-3 ends rotating in and out. It's not just the interior guys. So yeah, Brandon Graham's a state of that defense as a three technique and he's an edge guy i think the yeah. my biggest issue with gettleman is by far just like we've talked about on this podcast asset valuation you can't when you're a rebuilding team trade multiple picks to trade up for someone like deandre baker you can't for anyone you cannot make that leonard williams trade on a pending free no. agent on a rebuilding squad that is not something that you can do and i don't think that you can pour this many assets into running back and interior defensive line there's only limited assets that every gm has to work with Gettleman, any of these guys i mean he's had so many so few assets and he's used so many on two of the least important positions in the nfl and i can understand the argument that idl is an important position, but I can't understand the argument that it's an asset that you can't get a lot of because the, the Baltimore Ravens just traded a fifth rounder for one of the best IDLs in the league. The, the freaking Broncos traded, a, what was it, a fifth for Jarrell Casey, another fifth for an IDL, a great IDL. These guys, there's so many IDLs making plays around. The Baltimore Ravens have made a career, and the, and the Patriots as well, of finding IDLs in UDFA, finding them in late rounds. So he's pouring assets. What does he do the rest of this class? I'm not ready to give up on it because he takes Kyle Oletta in the fourth round, an early fourth round pick, 108 overall. And then with his last asset, it's another IDL. This is his first class. His first class is he inherits number two overall, dumps it on a running back. It's a dump because it doesn't matter how good that running back is going to be. He's not going to change your franchise, and he certainly hasn't. And that's even factoring in if you get lucky and he doesn't have injuries because it's the most injury-prone position. And that factors in if you get lucky and you sign him to another contract and he somehow lives can play like Adrian Peterson level where he's playing this long. None of that's happened so far, and that is now looking very unfortunately because we love Barkley as a player. It's not his fault that he plays a bad position and then they use number two on him. And now a guard who we're, we're still waiting on, three IDLs, or no, two IDLs, an edge guy in Carter who we like, that's a fine pick, and a quarterback who's not on the roster anymore. And really, I don't even understand the pick anymore considering the very next season they draft another quarterback and... I don't know what they were thinking was going to happen there with Aletta. I I mean, at the time, I, I kind of liked it. I talked myself into it. He had a quick release, but it's obviously clear he's not an NFL quarterback. He's been bounced around a few teams, and he's 
soon to be after the league. We've talked about some of the big uh, mistakes, I guess you could say, that Dave Gettleman has when it comes to drafting players. And we said he hits some of these players, and he's a pretty good talent evaluator. But his mistake is that he does end up falling in love with some of these players, and he does trust his draft board a little bit too much. And if he has a higher grade, it seems like, on an interior defensive lineman, and there's a cornerback that he might have you know, a lesser grade on, he'll go after that interior defensive lineman. Yes. That's something that is an issue when it comes to roster construction. Yeah. I think it's an issue from twofold because, like you said, it's an issue from roster construction standpoint. You have too many of one thing already. Why are you Why are you building more? But also because it's an issue of you have to factor in the importance of every position on wins and losses. I don't really see this rotation that he's built out with Hill playing 15 to 20 snaps a game paying off so far. These defensive line, we've done a decent job stopping the run sometimes in this season not even always right now i mean they're they're solid in the a gap yeah they're good in the a gotta i gotta get to the all 22 to (laughs) see they paid a million (laughs) gettleman's dumped like 30 percent of his valuable assets to stop the a gap it's insanity like i defended this guy for a while i'm sorry to all the giants fans who are listening and gonna gonna lose me because i am being very pessimistic i understand that but i've defended this guy for a while and you look at this guy's job, his process is completely flawed from the standpoint of he doesn't understand the value of trading back and acquiring more draft assets. His process is completely flawed from the sense that he's doubling, tripling down on the interior defensive line and spent and obviously spent a number two on running back. I mean, there's only so many excuses you can make for this guy, but we're going to move on, Nick, because again, I'm giving him pass on free agency. He hasn't done a great job there, but I don't think, I think it's very hard. Let's look at his next class. This is the big one because this is one where he comes in here with so many picks. He comes in here with the sixth overall pick because the Giants were terrible in, his, in their first year under Gettleman. He comes in with 17 that they traded from Beckham, which we, by the way, a light, we will tell you this, and not every Giants fan will tell you this, I, and I'll ask you if you still agree with me on this, Nick. Do you think that the Beckham trade was a good one? Yes. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I thought, like, oh, man, they should have gotten more. But I still, looking at the trade, you were able to get Jabril Peppers, who has made it, who we thought was going to make an impact. But this season, I mean, he ends up getting injured early in this game, so I'm not going to knock him for that. But you end up getting somebody who could be a foundational piece as a second-level defender. You end up getting, drafting, Dexter Lawrence, who is a complete stud, and then O'Shane Zimenez, who I think we want to see a little bit more from, but it is his second year. But yes, I still look at that, and I think it was a a solid trade. Yeah, I I mean, you can also factor in this trade... You ask anyone who knows anything about this trade, this trade never comes together if the first part of this trade, which was Zeitler for Vernon, isn't part of the deal. And then the trade was actually reported as Zeitler for Vernon separately, but then that's only by the media, keep that in mind, by reports. And then two days later, the full trade comes together. And when you look at the NFL transaction page, it's reported as one deal because that's what it was. So in this deal, it has to be factored in the Giants dumped Olivier Vernon's contract, arguably the worst in the NFL. He's still being paid for the past two seasons that he wasn't on the Giants as one of the highest defensive ends in the NFL. Go check the go check the Browns page. He's been injured all season this year and he was injured most of last year. Ineffective as usual, injured as always. So, to get rid of that contract alone was a massive win. I personally think getting rid of Beckham's contract was a win. I know that's a controversial opinion, but Beckham to me doesn't really flip the script on wins and losses too much and he really certainly hasn't since coming over to the Browns. So, I'm giving him a win there, but We have to circle back to, we can't bury the lead here. The lead here is that the 2019 draft class, and now it's 2020 season, Nick. So now they've had a full year plus a few games. This is the class that needed to hit for him. This was his crown jewel. He came in with six, 17, um, what was the first pick of the second round? Uh, Or the sixth pick of the second round. 17, 36, that's exactly what it was. Six, 17, 36, or 37, 95 from Zimenez, and wait... Guess what he should have also had? 65, but what did he do with 65? The year before, he's the only GM who used a third-round supplemental pick on Sam Beal, a guy who had an injury problem in college, came in with a shoulder issue that was reported that he never really got surgery on and that was potentially going to be an issue for him at the next level, didn't even phase him, didn't phase Gettleman. No one used a third-round supplemental pick. You know the only team that used it? The Giants. And what did the Giants have? One of the top third-round supplemental picks. It goes by the pick that you were going to have. This isn't Giants using the 99th pick on Sam Beal or whatever. They weren't. They didn't finish well the season before. They used one of the fir- first picks of the third round to take this guy, and he's opted out, whatever. He's done nothing for this team. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. 
You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I don't know about you guys, but I love to pour me some Pepsi and some ice cubes into a glass when I'm watching the New York football Giants take on somebody. And hopefully the Pepsi can be a good luck charm if I do it in the future and the Giants can get a win. That would be lovely. But Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for people like you and me, the ones who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. So they, so he already burned that asset. He should also have 66, but whatever. He still has, what is it now? He still has at this point five picks in the top 108 because Julian Love was uh, taken at 108 in the fourth round. And what does he do? He takes Daniel Jones. Book remains to be seen there. He takes another interior defensive lineman. And again, I like Lawrence. He's He's been one of their better players. I totally am down with the idea of it, but you can't go the route that he went, which is, trade for or I'm sorry trade JPP to get BJ Hill inherit Dalvin Tomlinson and then use this and then trade another three for Leonard Williams it's just insanity to me and then he does the move he trades four three picks to go get DeAndre Baker he goes up this is his move he's been waiting to trade up his process is so flawed that he's been waiting to fall in love with a player that he's like oh my god we got this top 15 grade on him top 10 grade on him let's trade up let's lock him in and this is what can happen when you trade up it's the whole reason why I'm against the process Nick because or I'm sorry, why I believe his process is flawed. When you trade up, you're basically saying that this is an inexact science of the NFL draft that we know is an inexact science. Russell Wilson goes in round three, Tom Brady in round six. You know, like it's already proven it's an inexact science. He's saying, I figured it out. I've beaten it. I know what I'm doing. My evaluation is better than everyone else's. My eyes of film are better than everyone else's. So let's beat them to the punch. And what happens here is unlucky, obviously, but we can't Barry, we can't ignore the fact that Baker was terrible in his first season. And not every corner in the NFL is terrible in his first season. A.J. Terrell for the Cowboys, second-round pick, he's been awesome. Oh, he gave up Diggs, a— t- Diggs. Oh, I'm sorry. Stephon yeah. Diggs, not A.J. Terrell. That was the Falcons guy, a COVID guy. Stephon Diggs, he gave up a big play today. It was his first big play of the game. But he's had some really awesome coverage snaps in these first three games. And even after that, he played really well. So, you, and, and he's not the only example. I mean, you could look across the NFL. William Jackson, he was injured his first year, but since has been a stud for them. So, I, I mean, DeAndre Baker looks susceptible. I can, I'm not going to blame it all on just him not knowing the scheme. There was a chance that he was just going to be a missed pick by Gettleman, a bad evaluation. Um, and then obviously the rest of the draft is fine. Like he doesn't do anything crazy there. He lands Darius Slayton, unbelievable pick. Corey Ballantyne, jury's out. The the tackle he traded up for George Asafo Ajayi, whatever. It's a seventh round pick. And then obviously Love and Connolly, who he moved on from. The Connolly thing still pisses me off. But when you look at Devonte Downs and Isaac Yadam out there, it's such a liability to be exploited by these teams. And every time they're out there you see the football being passed to their area. Yeah. There's there's not much you can do when you have breaks in your armor. Those are breaks in the armor. Yeah. And every time it's a third down, a third and eight, a third and plus, they're getting targeted in their zone or when they're in man coverage. And that just leads to the rest of the defense being out there. I mean, how many plays did the 49ers run? They ran 70-something plays. 
That's incredible. The Giants only ran 43 minutes something. of time of possession in the first half. 23 of 30 minutes. Yeah, they dominated time of possession. Obviously, and Kyle Shanahan, even after the game, came out and he said that he was basically getting tired of calling plays. Oh my god, that's like that's like insult to injury. That's embarrassing it's, to hear. It's incredibly embarrassing, dude. But I feel like Nick, this somewhat ties into Gettleman's issue here. Why is it that every season now, especially recently, we're seeing these type of players like Devontae Downs on the field playing meaningful snaps? Devontae Downs should not be on the roster, let alone starting. But this is what happens when you continuously pour assets into one position, the interior defensive line. When you're going to do that, when you're going to use a third on B.J. Hill over Red Warner, when you're going to trade your early third for Leonard Williams, another interior defensive lineman, well, now you're giving up another chance to potentially find a second-level defender. That's just two early threes. Those are the area you should be looking for. The 49ers, a great team, pinpointed that area, found Fred Warner. Plenty of teams are finding talent there, or at least decent second-level defenders, when you know to play that position. But when you continuously pour in the interior defense line, I won't fault him as much for Yidem and what's going on there. I agree he shouldn't be on the field. I agree. But he has done... He has tried to pour assets into corner. He's gotten unlucky with Baker, and he screwed up with Beal. That was, in my opinion, a very stupid decision. He should have never used an early third on that, a top 65 pick in the supplemental draft. No one even used their third. If anything, you want to go crazy, use your fourth, fine. I'll let you go around the top 100. You want to go 66 for a supplemental pick on a guy with shoulder issues coming out of college? It's a disastrous decision. He fell in love with some stupid... Basically, it was. I remember the time when they did it because the Giants were at a dire need at that time at corner. So I remember it was like a reactionary movie. It's like, oh, we got Eli. We still can do this. Let's hit this need. He's very reactionary, I believe, as a GM. He tries to hit needs when they come up. I don't think that's how you're supposed to do this thing, though. I really don't think so. And I think it's been pretty obvious. Nate Solder, reactionary need pick. Bang, it backfires. I think you had to do the Nate Solder thing as much as And I'm fine with it. I agree with free agency misses. I'll never care about because that money's off the books or is going to be off the books mostly next next year very few dead cap hit dead cap means pretty much nothing giants are fine on cap they were fine with you they were fine on cap for years paying eli manning 21 million against the cap i mean the the cap is for the most part and i say this and people went off on me it's not totally a myth but it's as close to a myth as you can it get. can be maneuvered is the way i think yeah i mean you could just keep it. kicking it down the, ca- the the road like the saints have done and I, I mean i told you i literally the first job i ever had in this industry was covering the nfc south it was 2014 and i wrote articles about how the saints are going to be screwed they keep kicking the can gap it's now 2020 six years later and they still haven't paid the piper there i mean it's if there's any indication that this cap is a total uh, a hard cap is a total fr- a crock crap it's that it's that the saints still haven't had to pay the piper there six years later but anyway i'm not going to kill him for those free agency misses but again he seems very reactionary and this was the class man this is the class they get all these guys in they need these guys to be playing better football right now daniel jones is only playing okay football at best and i know he has a shit situation i completely understand that dexter lawrence playing really good football but at a position that's not impacting the game enough it's not a shutdown corner. Imagine if they had, imagine, I'm not saying there was one available at 17, but imagine if they landed someone who's playing as well as James Bradbury right now at the corner position at 17. Do you think this team would be better with Dexter Lawrence? With with, Tom, with no Dexter Lawrence, Tomlinson, BJ Hill, and Leonard Williams, and then another shutdown corner, or what they have now? And you could go about that in every position. Second level defender, another linebacker. Imagine if they had a stud next to the Martinez. Hey, they imagine had, if they, they had- kind of had one. Yeah, well, I mean it's saying? a small sample size oh, Connolly. For, for Connolly, but yeah. Ryan Connolly showed a lot of promise. I'm he not going to sit there I and say Connolly. that he's the next coming of Lawrence Taylor or anything crazy or freaking Harry Carson or Carl Banks, but he was solid in his rookie season, and I still kind of scratch my head on the fact that the Giants kept Devonta. I thought maybe Downs murdered it in training camp. The way people were praising him coming out of training camp, you would have thought so. He right. had a lot of positive buzz, but he's been he's been terrible in these first three games. Understatement understatement yeah he's been not nfl caliber player the giants still trotting out not nfl caliber players three years into regime there's no i am out of excuses for this regime i'm out of them and i look up and down their roster like we did at the beginning of this pod or like i did at the beginning of this pod and i know nick has a little bit of different opinion than me on this but not too far off anymore there's just not enough talent on this roster. Now, I'm, I don't really have a different of opinion. I, I said this game specifically. Yeah, right. the this Giants was a big game for I said us. if the Giants don't compete in this game, it really tells a lot. Now, I mm-hmm. always had, I would say, a, a suspect look at the roster as a whole. But I thought maybe if the coaching staff right. could possibly do something to, well, A, I need the defense to get off the field. But the 
coaching staff do something to adjust against this beat up freaking squad in the San Francisco 49ers on their second straight away game at MetLife Stadium. Right. Crossing, traveling cross country. And by the way, for those of you who didn't read the headlines last week, the Niners had a nightmare travel to, to, to play the Jets last week. They had first time their plane got hit and like uh, there was a plane there that got like screwed up and then they, they couldn't, something happened with like the MRI machine and they got backed up there. They had like a nightmare travel session, went back to the West Coast, came back for this game, a one o'clock game where traditionally and typically West Coast teams struggle in and yet they came out and completely destroyed the Giants. And I think a lot happened in this game to me was and why I was never co- truly confident the Giants could win even though they really should have had the edge talent-wise was coaching. I mean, Shanahan's unbelievable. He just yeah. destroyed this. He just absolutely made a mockery of what Patrick Graham threw at him. They literally couldn't stop these crossers. It was a joke. And then finally, at the end, they figured out how to beat them in the run game. And, I, and at that point, I mean, and then on the flip side of the ball, don't even get me started there, Nick. I mean, this 49, I get it. They still had Warner out there and really good second-level players, but they were out D Ford. They were out Nick Bosa. They were out um, Solomon, Solomon Thomas. Thomas. Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw. And freaking Weatherspoon. Is not, that's not a – they should have been able to target Verrett in his first game back. They should have tested him more. And yet this offense – nothing they sat on that ingram button hook and they knew that crap was coming the short game stuff is done garrett's not using any motion they finally used some zone read good for him but they need to open this thing up and start throwing down field more or teams are just going to sit on this quick game like the niners did and i get it the giants and have any sessions i have less in- uh issues with the offense than i do the defense in this game obviously the defense was just an utter joke out there an absolute joke time after time after time did the niners punt the ball in this game nick did they punt the freaking football in this game? They did not. Zero punts. The Giants forced zero punts. It was field goal drive, field goal, missed field goal that they should have made, touchdown, field goal on their first five drives. Then touchdown, 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 end of game. That's the 49ers' possessions today. It's a freaking joke, man. The Giants should have had some success. But guess what? When you have, when your only strength of your team is one corner and an interior defensive line and you go up against an offensive line like that, a good offensive line that's played together and has a lot of talent, you can completely neutralize the eye. That's why the IDLs are not that important. They just get completely taken out of the game like this one. Especially like we talked about, when you run bare, when you run tight and you protect that A-gap, you're exposed on the outside. And they just kept running outside. They did it with misdirections. They did it with jet yep. sweeps, end arounds, all these types yep. of things. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk freaking running around the edge. You have the end man on the line of scrimmage getting kicked out. You have the contained defender not doing his job. You have the alley defender coming and just getting either gobbled up by another blocker who happens to be there because Shanahan is excellent at scheming X's and O's and leaving so defenders good. unblocked on the backside and not having them have an impact on the play whatsoever. Yeah. So you gain an edge on the front side yeah. of the play, which is something that he always does. And you, you saw it this entire, this entire time. Every time they ran to like this strength or something like that, there was always some sort of pre-snap motion that removed a defender from the area that was going to be attacked, and the Giants can never compensate for it. And on that Brandon Ayuk reverse touchdown, that was pretty much the game sealer. That was when you knew, oh, crap, this thing is getting out of hand bad. This guy was walked into the end zone with three blockers like he was the president of the United States coming through the freaking town with three cars in front of him. It was a joke watching that play. I don't understand how the Giants could watch that play and take themselves seriously. It's embarrassing, man. And listen, if you're going to be like what you just said, run all these bare fronts, and you know coming in with Patrick Graham, you're going to want to run these bare fronts and stop up the A-gap, don't you think it's really important to prioritize getting second-level defenders when you're going to be playing that style of defense? Do you think it's super important to get guys that second and third level who can freaking stop plays when they're... I mean, do you think teams are just going to run the A-gap on you all game, or do you think they're going to adjust to what you're doing and hit you on the outside? I think that's just why the usually that strong side, the 4-I... In the uh, the bear, I guess you can from is more just a tight because it's not a true traditional bear. Plays a little bit towards the four eye and attacks outside to kind of help compensate for the strength, but it just it just doesn't matter. Yeah, just didn't matter, especially with that offensive line. Yeah, with that offensive line, it's you're neutralized when you have this. It's just not enough to have the interior defensive line be your only real true roster strength. Three years into regime. They need more. I get it. He's got unlucky on some of these picks. I get it. Some we're still giving excuses for guys like Hernandez, which I'm running real low on. I know you're 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 still there, Nick, and I get it. He's played with trash next to him. But if he was really fucking good, like Quentin, I mean, Quentin Nelson plays with good players next to him, so it's not a good example. But like, he's making mistakes still, and I know he's solid. He's still good. I, I, but they don't need solid out of him. They need more than solid. Um, 
And again, that 2019 class, that's the crown jewel. It's supposed to be the crown jewel, even though he dumped that top 65 pick on on Leonard Williams, an impending free agent who he no doubtedly could have signed, or they could have just signed Hargrave or plenty of other IDLs or traded a fifth. Like, you don't need a panic trade for an IDL at any point like he did. Then maybe they could have had somebody there that could have made a difference. But right now, the 2019 class, which really needed to, is not making enough of a difference, Nick, on this roster. And we're not going to get into judging the 2020 class yet. We have an offensive tackle who's playing his third career game with no training camp, a safety who got unlucky with the injury, and another developmental tackle is their first three picks. Holmes is out there. He's made a few mistakes. He's made a few good plays. No, Nothing to judge there. We can't judge this class yet by any means. And me and Nick are also very high on We're very high on this class. So we'll see what happens there. But three years into regime, man, I, I'm out of excuses. I think I am past the point, unredeemable, Gettleman has got to go. I don't think he's going to go midseason. I don't think he should go midseason. That's not how NFL teams do it. But I'm done with Gettleman. I hope, I mean, I think he'll, you know, we've talked about this off pod. I think we'll both think he'll kind of retire. But for me, the excuses are over. I'm done. That's it. Get him out. Yeah, it's kind of hard to really stick up for him at the moment, nor am I trying to. But I do feel like, yeah, he'll, he'll do the retirement thing. But that begs the question is it just Kevin Abrams that's going to step up or Chris Pettit or Petite or however you say his last name and then you can just kind of keep this similar kind of mindset in in house now I'm not I don't want to like put anything uh negative on those two and say that they have the same mindset as Gettleman I'm sure they have a different approach to things which I feel like is what the Giants need but the Giants are an organization that doesn't usually go outside of their walls to bring in a replacement so, yeah so that, so that you look at it and you say, is it just going to be Abrams that takes over this job? And that's what I'm kind of expecting, to be honest. And I just hope that Abrams being a younger guy, maybe not as stubborn, will have a different way of valuing assets. Because that, to me, I think is the biggest issue with Dave Gettleman. Yeah, I completely agree. The process is the biggest issue here um, from both the standpoint of he doesn't value uh, trading back in the draft enough and the value of that. And he obvious economic studies have shown it and he overvalues interior defensive linemen and running backs that those two things are very obvious at this point you those are the two positions you really can't afford to overvalue in today's nfl and yet he does so i agree if somebody brings a fresh opinion okay maybe but i think they're at the point where they need to go outside the organization and i think judge should have a big influence on this and i know he comes from new england and i want to see more of that new england style from him i want to see you know some you know, the thing they did with Golden, for example, that was interesting. I wonder if Judge had any kind of wrinkle there. They kind of got Golden cheap and, and using a weird wrinkle in the NFL rules. Just those little things. But, you know, there are potential guys that they can look into outside of the organization. It doesn't just have to be recycle, 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 stay within the organization. Um, so I'll be looking out for that. And to see, that's the next big question right now for the Giants. You know, will they look outside the organization or will they stay in? Because we know one thing about this this Giants team and the ownership, which we both, I think, agree is partly to blame for all of this. That, that's a whole other question, too, yeah. Dan, is how—I didn't mean to cut you, no, cut no, you off, but what was the agreement between Dave Gettleman and John Mara when Dave Gettleman first took the job over? Right. And if it was, hey, we're going to try to extend Eli's career and get another Super Bowl, it's like, how much blame do you assign to the feet of Gettleman? Sure. Now that, and I'm not trying to stick up or get him. I'm just kind of trying to put that out there because I do feel like that was something that Mara felt strongly about. And adding someone like Saquon Barkley really helped, obviously, Eli Manning in his waning years because before that, the Giants really didn't have that great of a rushing tag whatsoever. But that, see, I just, I I, like I'll never agree with that. I, yeah. It's not only the process this weird. I just don't believe adding a running back helps your rushing attack. It really didn't. I mean, he made some big plays his rookie year. They lost a million games. He made some big plays line is what your offensive line is what makes a running attack it's never been about the running back it just never has and it never really will be i mean yeah barkley's awesome he's cool he makes some splash plays that can sometimes change games against crap teams like he won a couple single-handedly won that redskins game a couple years ago and the bears game when they played chase daniel who was like a backup quarterback playing that year like he's won some games against crap teams with some big plays but it's not enough and again i have heard off record that Gettleman wanted to move on from Eli quicker than he was able to because ownership was very strong in this. I understand the Maras never wanted to really move on from Eli until they really were forced to. And that goes beyond football. I get that. And I'm not going to fully blame them. Uh, I'm not going to fully kill them for that. But at the same time, they need to be held accountable for where this franchise is at. They need to be held accountable for allowing their GM, even aside from the whole let's build for the last years of Eli, 
to go this route of pouring all these assets into interior defensive line in today's NFL, which never really made too much sense, but was like, okay, you know, maybe we'll be okay with this, whatever. And then going running back instead of going defensive end there, Bradley Chubb, who I didn't even want. I wasn't a big fan of Chubb as a prospect. But you know what you could have done? You could have just said, today's NFL, we're undervaluing guards. Because honestly, dude, people say you can't take an offensive guard in the top 10 or the top six. Why not? Quinton Nelson was the most surefire prospect evaluation since I've done this thing. He literally entered the NFL and was almost immediately became the best guard in the entire NFL. Like, if you're going to get the best guard in the entire NFL, you can take a guard in the top six or top ten, okay? I'll make the argument any day of the the week that an offensive guard is a bigger uh, impact on wins and losses than a a freaking running back. I'll say that any day of the week. And you look at the 49ers right now, they ran the ball great today. You know they ran it with Jeff Wilson, Jarek McKinnon, and and was Jermichael Hastley gotten some snaps in there? I mean, James Robinson for the Jaguars looks like one of the best running backs in the league, undrafted free agent. Give me a break with this stuff. Everyone knows that. This is not rocket science that you don't need that running backs can be found in many places and that an offensive line and their running back is only as good as offensive line. Everyone knew that. So I don't buy into that you can't draft a guard there. And the Colts didn't buy into it either. You know what the Colts did? The Colts had the pick one after the Giants that year, number three. Giants had number two. So the Giants could have easily made this trade based on that logic. Obviously, any team would rather the number two pick than number three pick they traded number three for number six and then three early second rounders they ended up taking Quinton Nelson Braden Smith who I talked about earlier on this podcast after after uh Will Hernandez now they have an unreal left guard and unreal right tackle and then they took Darius Leonard one of their picks who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL and then I forgot who their last pick was Kamoko Ture Kamoko Ture who's like a really pretty solid uh situational when pass rusher when, healthy. when healthy he's had injury problems but either way, they got. Imagine if the Giants just did that. Like, imagine what this team would look like right now with Quinton Nelson at left guard, Braden Smith at right tackle, and Darius Leonard at the second level of this defense next to Blake Martinez. Like, there's no argument that can be made with any logic whatsoever that the route they chose with Barkley and her and uh, Hernandez was better than that route. There's no logic. There's nothing. There's nothing that says it. There's nothing that will ever say it. You're not wrong, but. I don't know if those players would be the players that they are today under the guidance of what the sure. Giants had as leadership. And that's fair. Yeah. With but, Hal Hunter in as, as yeah. offensive line coach, I totally get it. Those kind of things. But I, it's hard to disagree with you. And it's the same stuff that, I mean, we were saying back when Dave Gettleman drafted. I remember I was in a room with a bunch of my friends and the Giants selected Saquon Barkley. And I was so furious. And I was like sitting there like it was so awkward because I'm praising Saquon Barkley. I'm like, yeah, he's such a good running back, but this is just not how you built the team. And my friends were just like, Nick, like, shut up, man. Like, what are you talking about? But I was like, no, dude, like, you don't understand. And, and then Barkley ends up going to have the rookie season that he has. And I'm still sitting there saying, like, no, I stand 100% by it. They thought I was like being stubborn, but I'm just like, no, you just do not build your team this way. I just never really bought into that. And I mean, sadly, it just seems like that's that we're, we're proven right here. Yeah, I mean, it's hard It's hard to say. Again, they won four games with him when he had that amazing break season. And guess what, Nick? I know this is a bit of a hot take maybe, but I'm not even so certain that he it was the hand of God. As an athlete, sure, he was touched by the hand of God. That's obvious. You can look at the combine numbers. You can look at the film. You can look at the highlights. It doesn't take much to see that he's one of the most athletic, the best athletes to ever play the position. I think it's fair to say. But I don't think he's that nuanced as a running back. Watch Nick Chubb run the football. Go ahead. Watch Nick Chubb. Next time you guys are watching football, watch how Nick Chubb runs between the tackles. Do you think Barkley does that as well? Do you think Barkley reads his blocks as well? Do you think Barkley makes the necessary cuts between the tackles to pick up every single yard that he possibly can to sap up the most of every single touch? I don't. I think he bounces a lot of runs outside. I think he had that exact problem at, at, at Penn State. I think he played in a shotgun system at Penn State that's nothing like what he plays in in the NFL. And I don't think he's actually that amazing of an in-between tackles runner. I'll say it on this pod. I've said it before. And yet, he still is an amazing athlete. Great. Should be better, in, you know, should be a weapon in the passing game, which the Giants somehow never figured out. And still makes unbelievable plays by forcing missed tackles and by breaking away with his speed. So he's still a great prospect and had that season. But you know, it just, it wasn't, it's not even as can't miss as it should have been at two to me. It's like not, like it's not, that wasn't Adrian Peterson to me. Even if it was, it's still, it's, it's still op- not worth it. It's, but well, like, it's just yeah. an opportunity cost. You yeah. have to consider every avenue. And I thought, I think it was apparent that Dave Gettleman didn't. He just didn't. I mean, you, who knows? 
who would have traded what for Sam Darnold when everyone thought Sam Darnold right. was going one. And the Giants didn't even take the time to investigate that. And the Jets had the next pick, and the Jets pulled the trigger like that. Right. So what would have happened if the Giants did take the time to investigate Yeah, that? what happens if the Giants take a call? Or what happens if the Giants are savvy enough to call the Jets and be like, we're getting this offer? Do you guys want to do anything about it? And then maybe the Jets do do a panic move like um, like the guy from Chicago did. What's his name? Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace when he traded one pick up to make sure he gets Mitchell Drabisky. Obviously one of the most laughably, Stinky bitch. <laughs> laughably bad moves in NFL history. But it was a panic move that sometimes GMs will make. It's a really high intense process. The guy is – get him in a 10 minutes to work with and he used absolutely zero of the 10 minutes. He – hung out in in the room for five minutes laughing with his buddies about how lucky they were to get saquon barkley like are you kidding me are you are you kidding me like it's insanity and it happened and we said okay because he had the rookie of the year season like that mattered they still won four games um you know it wasn't like nick bosa's season last year where he kind of completely transformed that 49ers defense by adding that edge presence and then making everyone look better to forrest buckner forrest buckner wasn't really a household name until last year when he played with nick bosa and he is an excellent player but it just goes to show what an edge can do for an interior defensive lineman. But Barkley didn't really do that. Eli didn't play much better that season. The receivers and the offensive line didn't play much better that season. They didn't get much from the tight end that season, Evan Ingram. So it really didn't work out like that. Um, individually, he was awesome. But again, it's it's tough, Nick. And, you know, I, I look at the overall thing of where this team's at, and I'm really worried because I said, like, I thought they were moving in the right direction. I really felt that way, and I know you did too. And now I'm not sure. It's hard to say that they are after these three losses. And this is a long season, and I guess if we're going to shine any positive light on this, which it's very, very hard to do because this is an incredibly dim situation, is the fact that this team might not have as much continuity as they should have because of the off, because of the how the offseason transpired. But every team in the NFL kind of has that excuse. Right. It's just this was a new team with new coaches and a lot of new players and new leadership in the players because some of the leaders on this team are guys who have been here for five minutes been here for a cup of coffee like Blake Martinez who's a veteran leader James Bradbury who's a veteran leader these guys have been giants for only a few months now that's I guess one thing you could I guess point to as maybe it can turn around but after this loss it's hard to find any anything positive with this team yeah it really is and obviously this is not our traditional uh reaction podcast we didn't we're not reacting much to what we saw on the field there's really not too much to react to when we go over the all 22 that's when we'll get into the important stuff like daniel jones and his development because that's obviously important to this franchise andrew thomas and his development and all the young potential building blocks on this roster but to be honest it's it's not safe to say but it's at least worth saying that there's not enough there's not as many building blocks right now as there should be for this team three years into a new regime with consistently picking in the top six three straight years in a row every single first pick they had or every single pick they had in each round was in the top six there needs to be way more building blocks right now than there currently are on this roster this should not be a Jets-esque roster bad and it's kind of getting to that point they have like one position of strength really like it's just it's tough like as far as depth goes I mean obviously they have a really good cb1 and bradbury we can we can tell that much but i don't know nick I, I i feel like i just rallied off a lot i had to get a lot off my chest i'm fired up i'm really not happy with this i was just hoping all out hope that this team was going to take a step forward do you want to get something off your chest reel off now's the time let the fans know where you stand with the giants and if there's anything else no i mean i'm just i'm waiting for the all 22 because i want to see what garrett and more specifically patrick graham did to kind of combat what the 49ers were doing. Because the 49ers seemed like they had an answer for absolutely yeah. everything. Crazy. And it's so apparent that Jason Garrett and his little button hooks, and we talked about them on the podcast, how Evan Ingram runs a little outside five-yard, six-yard button hook, and Trey Green, or not even wasn't Trey Greenlaw, Fred Warner knew it was coming. Yep. Knew it was coming. Why don't you gas that? Why don't you fake that? Just run the mm-hmm. quick button hook, yeah. have them bite down, and then just do another route right around it. We can go vertical, you can go horizontal, you can break in, you can break out. Just add that manipulation but in order to do that you need protection that's one thing you definitely need Mm -hmm. and the giants don't seem like they're getting the best out of that as well i also really want to look into andrew thomas see how he did in this game he really struggled in week two he did this game it didn't seem like as much but i haven't had a chance to evaluate the film i mean you did a pretty good job articulating the state of the new york giants right now and it's 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 bleak but it's gonna be a long season man it's gonna be a long season and we have to um Hopefully, this team can come out and show some heart and some resilience in Los Angeles. Yeah, 
And God forbid they use their 4-4-2, 40-yard dash tight end to run a vertical route. God forbid. And God forbid they they go back to what worked in the first two weeks, which is seven-man protections occasionally, to try to dial up some vertical routes. Because we're certainly not seeing enough of that. And we obviously have to check the tape, Nick. But as far as just the total pressures go recorded by PFF, I believe I saw a, an ugly stat that Andrew Thomas might have already allowed the most pressures in the NFL through three weeks. So not, not exactly what you want to see there. Obviously, he's a rookie. Um... Again, I'm not gonna not gonna dial back on this, but I will stand by my original take that I he was my OT four in this class. I did not like him. I thought the the two for sure that I would have taken over him were Wills and Becton. I understood the case to take him over Werfs for sure. He was super raw, and I still think Thomas is going to be a solid player for the Giants. I do not know if I see All Pro there. I do not know if I ever see that. And when you're taking four, it's again it's an asset thing. I don't know if you want a solid left tackle. I think you need a little bit more than that. I know the Jets swung for a little bit more than that. I know the Browns did, and he's been really good so far, Wills. Um, and I haven't heard, read or heard much from Wirfs, but again, he's gonna. we're going to have to see the film to know, but he's obviously going to have to improve, and the Giants are going to have to do more. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. We're still going to be here. We're still going to be doing it. We're still going to be rolling through this 2020 season. Stick with us because you still want to know about the development of these players. It's going to be super important. It's not like you can just do Madden mode and restart any kind of roster from scratch. These are the guys they have. They need to improve. They need to build on them. The coaching is really important. We got to see if Garrett's going to be a guy that can win, they can win with. We got to see if Graham's going to be a guy they can win with. So we'll tackle all of that in the coming weeks. I know I'm going to sound ridiculous saying this but it is the truth the giants are only one game out of first place because that the nfc true. east is totally abysmal at the moment but this division sucks the giants suck the crazier things have happened is what i'm crazier things have definitely happened i mean we saw the seahawks win a division at seven and nine and then win a playoff game yeah that's crazy um so yeah i mean even from that standpoint the giants are, are somehow still in the playoff race because they're only one game back in the east and the eagles are absolute trash right now that that was one of the most embarrassing things i've ever seen to that the way they played that end of that game the, the co- lack of confidence they've shown in wentz and really how poorly wentz has played reds uh, washington football team n- no nothing to worry about with dwayne haskins at quarterback i think that's pretty clear and then the cowboys the cowboys are the best team in the division but they're also a very far from complete team so you never know crazier things have happened but they're gonna obviously obviously have to play better than they did today no doubt man all right on that note we'll speak to you later and i'm still gonna keep it and end it on this nick go giants the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.